the incomparable. Number 572, July 2021. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and we're going to be talking this week about a film that was released about 10 years ago, almost exactly. It is a British science fiction comedy, horror, gunplay, drug dealer, body horror, uh, all sorts of... It's Attack the Block, starring Star Wars and Doctor Who. Uh, Joining me to talk about Attack the Block, which I'm going to just lay my cards on the table right now. I got to the end of this movie and I thought, yeah, this is my kind of movie. <laughs> Are the following people. We'll see if it's their kind of movie too. James Thompson. Hello. Hello. Uh, this is too much madness to explain in one podcast. Mm, Anthony Johnston. <laughs> hello. Hello. I will allow it. <laughs> and Lisa Schmeiser. This is my kind of movie too. I'm so happy to be here. This is a podcast, bro. Believe it. <laughs> yeah, I've I've already decided I am not going to attempt any sort of South London accent at any point during this. No. Um, so we watched this with my son and he said what's really funny about it is that so ten year it's ten year old London slang, right? Mm-hmm. And what what Julian said was other than the accents, that's exactly how me and my friends talk. <laughs> and I thought, I thought there's something about it being sort of like kind of baked in and spreading around the world and becoming kind of part of just teenage uh, slang that uh, once he once he tuned into the accents, he he was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, he totally understood what, what, all of their conversations other than the, the the accent that's there, which is a little bit hard to begin with, although it washes over you as an American, it washes over you. And then you're like, yeah, I seen Doctor Who. Great. I know about accents. Mm-hmm. Well, Cornish did, uh, didn't he, I'm sure I read uh, in one of those oral histories or something, that he did specifically, you know, go out to the youths. The youths, yes. And, uh, and he said, you know, how do you do, fellow kids? Right, exactly. <laughs> to the <yeah>. young youngs. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of making of stuff on the Blu-ray, which I sat through. And yeah, I think he like showed them the first script and they're like, it's a good story. But you know, but ain't nobody taught like that. Stop having the children say "gee willikers." Yes, Holly, this alien. Because I can't say, I can't say as an American uh, whether this is accurate or not. But it feels like the texture of the movie is one of the great things about it. Is it feels like of a time and a place, a very specific place, in a way that I like. That it's not generic. Also, Anthony mentioned Joe Cornish, who's the the director, and and Nick Frost is in this. And and it's funny. This is not a you know a, a official like Cornetto movie. It's on the side, but but it I, might as well be. Yeah, I mean Joe Cornish and Edgar Wright are mates, and you can tell. It really, vi- it really vibes to it. It though, is a Shaun of the Dead sort of... style, like that. I think Shaun of the Dead is in fact the closest movie in style to Attack the Block. When you were struggling to describe the genre mashup at the start, it was you know you could say the same about movies like Shaun of the Dead. It's the same kind of well, it's a little bit of everything really, but mainly it's just a British indie film. I think it's the same production company who worked on this that worked on those as well. And the other Edgar Wrights. At the risk of sounding like a wifty Californian, I feel like it has the same energy as Spaced or Mm. any of the Coronetto movies because you've got these people who enjoy spending time together and enjoy having like a shared activity or a goal in this case um murdering the things that look like a monkey had intimate relations with a fish Uh, Mm 
they really like no i feel like you watch how the energy changes between the robbery at the beginning and then look at how gleeful they are about the mayhem they're going to inflict on the aliens and that's like and that it is it (laughs) is but it's a huge character beat for them too because it shows that the robbery is something they feel like they have to do but like murdering aliens is something they're super excited about doing (laughs) Well, that's the Jason. You said that it feels like it's a sort of you know a time and a place, mm-hmm. and I'm not so sure. The place, absolutely. I think it gets you know it feels like South London, no question. But mm-hmm. the the kids, the teenagers, just kind of feel like British teenagers. I mean, yeah. obviously, there's there's the whole mugging element, which not all British teenagers do. But in terms of what you were saying that your son noticed about how they relate to one another and how they talk to one another and you know sort of their their group dynamic that just felt like you know if you changed the scenery and fashion me and my mates were kind of the same 30 years before so um i'll walk i'll walk us through the plot and we can talk about what happens in this movie um having already revealed that i uh, this is my kind of movie like at, at like all the levels um it is, but I th- I feel like before we start, if there's anybody out there who's like, well, maybe I'll go stop the podcast and I'll go watch it. Like, it, have you seen Shaun of the Dead? Because if you have and you haven't seen Attack the Block, you should watch Attack the Block. Like, it is it is in that family, and not just because it's a bunch of the same names, but it's like it is just it feels like it it's is the same a, attitude a, a, a relative of of Shaun of the Dead. I, I would say I think the the dial is slightly away from comedy than what Shaun of the Dead is. Uh, this is yeah. true. I mean, it's not quite a straight horror sci-fi flick, but, you know, it, it's not as funny funny. No, and I, w- I would say it actually has a little bit more to say uh, socially. Yeah, yeah. That dial is yeah. going the other way. <laughs> that was going to be my question was, did Cornish intend to say the thing socially that he does in this movie? Oh, I think I, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any doubt about that, yeah. Yeah, because... Oh. That that uh, there are a couple moments in that movie that hit me like a punch in the gut, and I thought, okay, I don't remember feeling this way the last time. But mm-hmm. then again, I also hadn't lived through the last ten years it, last time. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, absolutely. All right, so uh, this movie begins with a a nurse, Sam, uh, walking down a series of of increasingly threatening uh, streets and alleys until she is indeed robbed. Uh, Sam is Jodie Whittaker. You may know her from you know Broadchurch or you know. Doctor Who. Uh, she, but here she's she's just a nurse and she's robbed by a bunch of teenagers because those oh those teenagers they're they're the worst. Uh, and uh, but but then <laughs> uh, like thing comes out of the sky and smashes into a car and um, and she runs away or as they say she's ghosting. Uh, allow it. And uh, and there's a, and then it gets real weird real fast because there's some sort of monster creature in the car that see it's not just a rock that hit the car it seems to be uh, like there's a there's a monster in there and we're led on a chase basically where the 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 muggers this group of of teenage boys are have shifted their focus from poor jody whittaker to the space monster that had crashed into this car and they chase it and end up in like a shed. It ends up in a shed and they throw firecrackers into it. And I want to stop here because one of the things that I don't think I fully appreciated the first time I watched this movie, whenever that was five, six years ago, is how this movie is very much starting out with, hey, what if E.T. landed 
and we killed him. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, throwing things into the shed where the alien is hiding is... It's E.T. Firecrackers, yeah. Except... It's such a boy thing to do. They kill him. <laughs> it really is, yeah. That's the other thing that, that like, is worth mentioning. It's bonfire night when this is happening. So there are fireworks going off all over London. Right. Which isn't... I mean, it's not a huge plot point, but it is kind of because the kids have firecrackers with them and some of the noises, you know, there's kind of plot elements of noises being hidden by fireworks and stuff and people thinking that the aliens landing are just fireworks going off, which is so absurd. It's a good excuse for having ready access to a variety of explosives. Yeah. That's it, yes. yes. Which they used to very good effect, yeah. (laughs) And it happens so quickly. It's so fast, like, from... From start to, oh my god, there are aliens, is what, like six minutes, if yeah. that? It also allows them to have the um, idea that nobody knows what's going on because the explosions are lost in all the other explosions that are happening. Yeah. So there's this idea yeah. that they're isolated and that like the, the cavalry isn't coming for them, which gets turned on them at the end. But like that's also one of the reasons, I think, that they've got the fireworks. The bloody, bloody fireworks if if the third world war out there you wouldn't know the difference and that that's about right because that is absolutely uh going on so they 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 decide not not content with killing et they decide that they're going to bring the dead body back because it might be worth something um meanwhile they also are going through jody whitaker's wallet she's a nurse they don't get paid anything uh Mm -hmm. and there's a a moment that i love because uh, once you've seen the movie once, you know what's coming. But it's so delightfully set up where the one kid is like, hey, I can jump from this side to that side of the, oh, yeah, of the staircase. Yeah. <laughs> and the, it, it, the outdoor staircase as they're ascending to the, to the uh, place where they live. And, uh, and he's like, um, you know, and he's like, I swear I can do it. But he doesn't do it right then. So he's like too scared to do it. But he, th- he wants to be a daredevil, but he's not. And of course, there will be a chase later where he has to make that jump and it saves his life. And it's great. It is probably the most inelegant setup in the film because <laughs> uh, it's just so blatantly oh, yeah. obvious that like, yeah. oh, that's going to become but I, a but thing. But I love it. But I, at least they don't dwell on it. I love that the kid is, I love that it's put, uh, I forget which kid it is, but it's like it's put to the character where it's like this character wants to be um, be cool. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. isn't it the kid who winds up in the dumpster? In the, in the bin, yeah, it? right, yes. yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, the complete opposite of, yeah, being the com- cool. He's the comedy character. <laughs> They're all the comedy character. He's like, oh, I, uh, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm cool. And he's, he's confident enough to, to get up on the ledge and try to do it mm-hmm. in front of his friends. Um, but then he still can't do it. I don't know. But you're right. <laughs> They're hanging a lantern on it. But uh, I, I really enjoy it as a, as a kind of a, this this poor sap of a kid. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's important to rewind and kind of note that, you know, the so-called heroes in this really are anti-hero mugging yeah. kids. First thing we see, knives. they rob Charlie like, Whitaker. They are not, yeah, you know, it's, and that's kind of a brave move <laughs> with mm-hmm. your, your principal characters. But it's not inaccurate. It's, uh, you know, talking about social commentary and stuff like that stuff does happen and uh i just thought from them because i saw this not in the cinema but i think uh the first time it was shown on tv over here i'm not i'm not entirely sure i know it was not long after it had come out and yeah it was certainly before star wars before i knew who john boyega was uh but i did know who joe cornish 
was because I'm a fan of Adam and Joe, uh, him and Adam Buxton, his comedy partner from way back. Um, and I remember just thinking at the time, like, that's a brave <laughs> move. Like, your main characters are mugging an innocent, vulnerable woman. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. Okay. You know, let's see where this goes. I mean, obviously, and, and then it's a kind of... That, what I like about it as we go through the movie is that we they don't ignore that you know that's right. not kind of it is pushed aside a little but it comes back often enough that you're like oh yeah remember these kids are actually not just rascals they are like actual right. criminals um yeah it's interesting but what i like is the way the power balance between the two shifts over the course of the movie where at the beginning of the movie you've got this woman who's walking alone at night and she's clearly being set up as the victim in the situation and she's she's oh she's at the mercy of her environment oh my gosh she's surrounded by five people there's nobody coming to help her there's nothing and by the end of the movie um you've got a kid in a van because she's been able to and she's got all the power where she can say no no this is my neighbor and yeah. no no this don't <laughs> it's not what you think it is and people are likely to believe her so it's sort of the yeah, relationship the two of them have she's to she's the white woman who's a yes. nurse and respectable in that yeah exactly and i love how you see how it flips and you get the sense that okay everybody has a situation in which they're the aggressor and everybody has a situation in which they're the victim and sometimes these things sit side by side with each other within the space of a few hours i i love how how deftly he moves that around when uh, Jodie Whittaker was announced as Doctor Who, this was mm -hmm. the, the film that I rewatched, and yeah, you see her progression through the movie, and by the end of the movie, she is also like stabbing aliens with knives yeah. <laughs> and things. Not a very Doctor Who way of dealing with an alien, but I could see <laughs> watching that. I was like, okay, yes, I think she'll be an excellent Doctor Who because you see the way the, the sort of more confidence that she has that towards the end of the movie. I think this might have been the first thing I saw her in, actually. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I'd seen her in anything before this. And I didn't watch Broadchurch. So when she was announced to Doctor Who, yeah, this was like, this was the only mm. really thing that I knew her from because I had already watched this movie several times by then. Yeah, what? and I, I'd seen it before at the time and I'd seen it, I think, in the cinema when it came out. And then, you know, once it was again with John Baiga when he was announced for Star Wars. It's like, you know, good on you. You've gone from like this sort of low budget indie thing uh, to one of the biggest the films opposite. in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the very opposite I, of that. Um, we talk about the little uh, progressions that happen. I think one of the clever things is your progression of how you perceive the, uh, the teenage uh, toughs is... There's a, a an easy read you can make on this movie early on, which is, haha, -ha, the the best defense that Earth has against an alien invasion is a bunch of thugs from you know from this housing project, and they're going to beat the crap out of all the aliens. Isn't that going to be funny, right? A, a really flat read on it, which is, well, the aliens chose the wrong place to invade because these guys are going to beat the crap out of them like they did the first one. And the movie, unlike, I think, other lesser movies with bigger budgets would do, the movie spends a lot of time on the characters. So by the time you get to the end, you know who all these guys are and you have compassion for them. And you you can, you know, you maybe don't approve of all of their life choices, but you like they're the, they're the kids who call their mom and say, no, 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 I'll be back really soon. And like you understand them. 
even if you don't fully, you know, endorse their robbery and things like that. And that's, I like that about it because this, it, the easy way out is to just say, ha ha, watch these kids that wail on the aliens. And no, by the end, you have a very different view of who they are. I, I think that the, the main one is with Moses when uh, uh, Sam goes into his room, you know, right at the end. Right, and yeah. There's the reveal that he's actually a 15 year old kid. Uh, and I mean, that's like three or four years younger than uh, he John Boyega was when they filmed it. But still, you know, the point being that he is way younger than everyone probably up to that point watching the film has thought that he is. Um, and that kind of reframes the whole thing. Yeah, that's his secret. Well, because Moses through the whole movie, this is the guy, he runs a gang already. And uh, Hi-Hat is pressuring him to step up and start <laughs> earning. Hi-Hat, the drug, the, the, the drug dealer. Yeah, oh, this... and that's a horrifying scene too because you can tell mm, yep. that he, you can see the wheels turning. Like John Boy is just so good in this role, and you can see the wheels turning. You have that scene, and even by the time you have the reveal that he's fifteen, when you realize a fifteen-year-old kid has basically decided to sacrifice his life to save his community, and he's taking sole responsibility for an alien invasion, um, it's you just. And I ended up watching it with just this mixture of pity and admiration because i kept thinking what would moses do who would moses be in a different situation where he had advantages and didn't have to raise himself and didn't have to be tough and be front but you know he's a 15 year old kid who's treated like an adult criminal and i like that the movie lets you fall into that space between those two perceptions and just kind of flail around uncomfortably for a while (laughs) But that moment with hi-hats as well, which is kind of next in the plot as well, when they take the alien to the drug dealer because they're convinced it'll be worth bare money, uh, as they say. <laughs> like, But that that moment that you're describing where hi-hats is like, right, you're going to be my boy now. That's like, again, talking about social commentary. They don't dwell on it or anything, but that is a kind of horrifying moment because you're like, yeah, that actually probably does happen without the alien. But, you know, that does happen all the time right. young you know minor kids who have no prospects in life very little education uh, have been you know just ignored and let down by the system yeah they do well, think do you know what i'm just gonna make money an alien invasion in the middle of the wire would not be a bad elevator pitch for this movie uh, because there's an aspect of that also i want to talk about the, the levels we're not quite there in the plot but you know we're jumping all over it's fine about the use of the deployment of nick frost and the um and his the stoner uh, guy who's buying the drugs from Nick Frost and he's got his the weed room and all of that mm-hmm. and there's this they they get to the, his apartment and it's it's like the comedy comedy room in the in the plot <laughs> where it's like yeah. oh it's Nick Frost <laughs> and he's in this outsized character and and there is a lot of comedy a lot of humor with Nick Frost and with the with the the stoner guy but Bruce, Bruce, yeah. they're funny but then you get that reveal which is like. Oh, but you know, Nick Frost is not your genial uh drug lord of this building. That's hi hat. He is not genial. He he has a gun, he's super aggressive. He says, Yeah, you're mine now. And um also by the way, he uh he records his own raps and then likes to sing along with them in the car, yeah. which is a level of <laughs> I mean that that is a that is a wild uh <laughs> Oh, broad character, but uh, I think I think funny while also threatening, which is a nice balance to strike. That he's kind of ridiculous, but also uh, terrifying. Um, before we get up to Nick Frost, though, I wanted to mention that there is one more thing, which is we meet the little kids, 
who aspire to be oh, in the gang. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and there's the line, go away, Reginald. Mm-hmm. But the kids, they want to be in the gang, and they've invented their scary gang names, Mayhem <laughs> and Probs. And yeah. I, I love that. Uh, that made me that made me laugh. Uh, they steal every scene they're yep. in, those they, kids. Yeah. They, they are do. so good. It's when Moses is so exasperated. He's like, go inside, do your homework, <laughs> yeah. play some games. <laughs> and he, he's so parental with them yeah. as well. And... God, I just I I love how Boyega, Boyega plays Moses, and I just love that character so much. It's such a strong lead. <laughs> we also get a scene with Jodie Whittaker saying that she's not going to be scared out of her home by a bunch of bloody teenagers, which is uh, <laughs> uh, with, with the only character, the only character in this movie who is kind of uh, I don't want to say wasted, but like every other character, this movie's so tight. It's only eighty-eight minutes long. There's not a minute. Or moment wasted. You know, every scene and line is just there and relevant. There's no flab on it at all. But she, her neighbor that she sits and has a cup of tea with, is the one character who basically doesn't reappear and become part of the the larger alien plot. I think the the point of her is just because she's got that line about their effing monsters. You know, yeah. talking about yeah, the kids. Truth, yeah, yes. just just to give people. you the the you know. Oh well, you think they're monsters? Well, we <laughs> you know we're just about to introduce the real ones. We were the real monsters all along. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's her only pu- purpose is is just to make that comparison. I, I'm sure you're right. It just struck me that every other character reappears and becomes part of the big plot. You know, and and she's the one character who doesn't. But I think that's pretty impressive in itself. The fact that there's only one character and she's only on screen for you know like two minutes at the most, um, in the entire film, who isn't, you know, important to the plot. <laughs> right. Who doesn't then become vital to the plot? As I say, it's so yeah. so tight. I love it. What, one of the things I liked right at this point is just as they go into the weed room. Weed rooms, of course, being a real thing. There was one across the road from us, which was discovered. Yeah, a few I mean, they, ago. yeah, they are real. <laughs> um, but. Uh, the, you get a brief flash of all the fluorescent blood on, on the jacket oh. just for a second. Oh, yeah. Because I, I had to go back after it. It was like, why didn't we see that the first time? And you go back and they do. And they switch the lights on to get the attention, like the non-UV lights to get the attention. This is, this again, talking about setting up the future plot. The idea here is that what's really happened is in in, uh, in killing the, the alien, that's the female of the species. They've gotten its blood all over them. The aliens that come next are the males there in this is a mating ritual. And, and basically these, these guys are covered with the smell of the alien female. And that's why they're... You know, they're chasing them and, and not just kind of doing general mayhem, but uh, actually chasing them down. And then they learn this in a later visit to the grow room. Um, and so that's, yeah, it's a nice little uh, little setup for that. Also, there's a line here that made me really laugh that's super meta and pointless, but funny, which is, mm-hmm. this is England, fam. Ain't no FBI. It's section six or something. Because <laughs> yeah. they're like, where the FBI is going to come? And then the moment of like, a character will now tell you. There is no FBI. It was like that character is smarter than that character needs to be. I think it's be. because they call them. I think it's because they call them the Feds. The Feds, which yeah. E, which is street slang for cops over here, even though it doesn't actually mean the FBI. Yeah, but then they correct. The correction is what gets me. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That was not necessary, but it made me laugh a lot. So it's okay. It's like this kid is smart. Uh, knows more about this than you you might give him credit for. Um, so they do the, so aliens are coming down everywhere. This is the point where the, like the invasion proper happens. Um, and so they're all going to get armed. There's the, uh, they, they, they go out and to check these, uh, aliens out and to take them down. But the one kid has to bring the dog, which runs into the playground and gets eaten by an alien. 
that oh, poor dog. That's such a great scene. And there's also here we have the I can see its eyes. I'm not sure that's its eyes. And like you see the kind of glowing kind of mouth and a growl and such an amazing creature design. Like the entire jet black, no features, and just the glowing teeth. Yeah, it's Amazing. Vanta, it's Vanta black, right? Teeth. Vanta yes. black with glowing teeth is what these yeah. things are. Apparently, they were based on the design of this aliens on the Space Invaders cabinet, like the artwork on the side. <laughs> oh, which and if you sense. look at yeah, it, yeah. you can see it. Yeah, because it's kind yeah. of like a a bear monster kind of. T- it's they move. Yeah, so uh, cross between a bear and a gorilla yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, but I just I think it's so great, especially in a low budget film because this was a very low budget film, uh, to have a design where you don't need to worry about the features, right? You know, where you can put these guys in these costumes and then just paint out all the features except the teeth if you need to. You just have some reflective uh, just, material for the important scary. parts. Yeah. Like who cares about fingers or tentacles when there are mm-hmm. teeth? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple Such a great rows idea. of teeth, like sharks. <laughs> I will defend the, the visual effects industry slightly and say that the teeth were all redone with CG oh, afterwards. Wow. So it's not yeah. purely just a person in a suit with reflective oh, no, tape. No, 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 sorry, I didn't with, mean to imply yeah. that it okay. was. It looks great. Uh-huh. They they they're they're terrifying, and we very quickly get sort of like, okay, here they come. These are not the little roly poly aliens that were easy to, alien that was easy to kill in the beginning. These are monsters. They're gonna kill you like they killed that dog. And uh, meanwhile, though, remember the robbery and all of that. The 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 cops are coming, and Jodie Whittaker is in the van because they're going to arrest uh, Moses and the gang for uh, robbing her. Uh, which leads to a <laughs> quite dramatic moment where uh, they put Moses in the van and Jody's in the van and uh, and uh, they're in there and the cops are pulped by the monsters. They are they are rendered and this is what I wanted to talk about the the, the kind of gore in this movie. And what one reason this movie is my kind of movie is that this is my kind of gore, which is it's the kind of gore that's so outlandish that every time somebody is horribly killed. I laugh because it's (laughs) so like these cops, like the idea that a cop is being torn limb from limb by a space monster. Okay. That could be done in a horrific fashion. No, it's like just huge buckets of blood fly up on the side of the police van. And you're like, well, okay, those guys are gone and you move on. But it's, it ends up in a moment where it's like, you know, he's in there and wants to be let out of the back of the van where he's locked up. And then she goes in the back of the van to hide because maybe she'd be safer back there. And you get that, that first moment where they're reconnected, where which is awkward, right? Because she's going to she's gonna point at him and, and, and they're going to arrest him and he's going to go away. And uh, it's all then kind of knocked askew by the fact that the police are the arresting officers are then murdered uh severely by by monsters i think it's the next scene that i thought was the 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 best point well not best point but like when they nick the uh, police van and mm-hmm. then drive it straight into hi-hats oh car. Yeah. my gosh that's <laughs> yeah. such a great scene oh yeah it's the, the the buckets of blood stuff i mean that's very much in the edgar wright style isn't it and not that he invented it or anything but it's another element of these movies oh sorry of this movie that reminds you of his movies uh and of things like spaced it's exactly that kind of well and uh, this and another special effect, quite gory special effect later are the bits that just make me think yeah you can see the influence of his style mm-hmm. of filmmaking all over this movie but especially in those you know yeah just on the right side of gore moments i think it also the movies kind of feel a bit sort of john carpentery like 
early low budget special mm. effects kind of things without the sort of like the 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 budget of something like the thing or or whatever yeah but it, true it, true but but it is that kind of like squelchy there, there is an element of assault on precinct 13 i suppose in this yeah <laughs> yes yeah. <laughs> i just don't mind the idea like i i don't want to see i i'm more repelled by kind of mental uh torture and also like mm-hmm. details where it's like, well, I'm going to eviscerate this person and take their things out very slowly and they're going to scream and all of that. Right, and that yeah. That's not what this movie has. This movie, it's like the aliens come, there's a giant shower of blood and the police are dead and that's it. Like, that's all you need to know. What more do you need? What, yeah. And it, 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 it's so sudden and so shocking that, again, all I could do is laugh. It's like, well, <laughs> And then okay. we're going to steal, steal the cop van and yeah, crash into hi-hats. Crash into <laughs> hi-hats fancy car. Uh, it, which I leads to the line. Take it well. Sorry about the driving. I'm getting lessons for Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which actually is like that's you couldn't. That's not true. That's the one thing that if you're British, you're like actually you wouldn't be old enough. Uh, but of course, that's nobody outside of Britain knows that. So I'll, I'll do better <laughs> next time. But I've just smashed into your car. <laughs> and there, there's uh, one of my biggest laughs in this entire movie is you know there's are you going to thank us for saving your life you know my effing hero uh and then and then there's and they're like ah oh, but the big gorilla wolves and and mm-hmm. then there's the noise because there's a monster in the parking garage with them and the best part is though that hi-hats sends his flunky he says go see what that is and i could not stop laughing at that because it's that moment of like <laughs> you know what movie we're in right <laughs> yeah but the flunky does know doesn't he because he he's like i'm not the going there knows, but he's powerless because of the script conventions it's terrible <laughs> he knows he's going to be sent to die go see what that is he's like oh god like yeah i know yeah, this we all know what's going to happen now and he is dead <laughs> i regret all of my choices and i'm making them anyway <laughs> oh my god ah oh, that's 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 uh good stuff so then you he know such a great villain like you know, the aliens, you kind of can't blame the aliens for doing what they do. Like, they're a species that likes to go um, on honeymoons to remote planets to make more aliens. Hi-Hat, on the other hand, is just a collection of of bad impulses and bad decisions and and bad character. And it's great. <laughs> well, and willful ignorance. That's the thing that sets him, that, you know, that kind of loses him sympathy, if you like. And so that's why you do cheer a bit when he gets beaten, is that he's given the opportunity to do the right thing and to believe these kids and sort of get with the program and instead he aggressively refuses to uh and and obviously yeah suffers for it we end up with uh there's a lot a lot of action in this portion of the movie which is great they get back on on the bikes again there's the et thing right is these are kids on bikes but they don't they're not the same kids as the kids in et (laughs) and and there is there is a moment that i really liked uh which is (laughs) i'm I'm shitting myself in it. But at the same time, this is sick. Yeah. <laughs> this is what yeah. the movie is, right? Which is, this is scary. Also, it's really fun. And that's what this movie is. And they chase them and they're running and they're on bikes. And the kid gets to make his jump across that we set up yeah. earlier. And there's just a lot of really exciting, I think, really well executed, low budget, but like mm-hmm. really well done of the chases and a lot of business with they're, they're going in bikes and on walkways and going downstairs and upstairs. And they, they do make it to the block and the, and it culminates in the thing being right behind and, and uh, they close the door and then it breaks through and bites the one kid on the leg. But like this whole segment 
uh, in a movie that is is uh, is very short, it's actually a pretty sizable segment of the movie. And I th- just think it was brilliantly constructed because it's it, this is what you pay to see, I think, is something like this. Yeah, it's real low stakes, high tension stuff like really you know again if you sort of look at it with if you if you watch it several times and you look at the the angles and the scene scenes and the blocking and stuff it's yeah action on a budget but because they keep it small because they of the way that it's filmed and and some really good editing as well it feels yeah it is a really tense moment and it feels bigger than it is uh which is, you know, obviously a, a very neat trick. And the kid, the kid on the pizza delivery moped is oh, the one that always gets me. God. It's, like, it's a moped. Yeah, with a little, with his little, uh, little warming. Pizza box at the back. Yeah, yeah. little insulated box on the, on the back. Yeah. With some bungee cords. Yeah, and the, I mean, you talk about the stakes. The way it's constructed in the movie, like, I really like how the screenplay is constructed. And the way it's constructed here is they're trying to get home, right? They're trying to get home, home and safe. That they're going to get to the building. They're going to get to the block. It's their territory. They're going to be home and safe. And, and you know, if you know what happens in the rest of the movie, no. <laughs> like, getting <laughs> getting in that door, and the movie tells you immediately, right? It was like, oh, great. We got in the door. Smash, bite. Uh, oh, we got we to gotta go. <laughs> like, we got to get out of here. But in the moment, that is their goal. And so all this action is about, we're going to get back. We're going to retreat to our our place of safety where it's our territory, and we'll have the advantage there. And then the movie gets... Uh, you know, just shifts into another gear once they've retreated to the building because they're not safe there after all. I think it's also interesting, uh, just as a reflection on on the UK, that, you know, there is basically one gun uh, in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, every, everybody else has a, has a variety of improvised weapons or, you know, samurai swords. Or <laughs> Knives whatever, and swords but, and stuff, yeah. But not guns. Right. Yeah, it's the operations room in Aliens, isn't it? You know, that's the, it's the same kind of, we'll be safe there. Oh, no, you won't. No, no you won't. <laughs> so they, they end up forcing their way into Sam's apartment, Jody Whitaker's apartment. And this is really interesting because it's the, you think I'm going to help you, right? But and you sick those dogs on the police and they're like, those weren't dogs. These are aliens. They're trying to explain it to her. There's that moment where he said, where he says, you swear too much, man. To, to Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's basically like, because she's swearing and they're mm-hmm. like policing her swearing, which is pretty great. And the other exchange in here that made me laugh so much, because this is not a comedy, but there's a lot of funny, witty stuff in it. And the, the one that I love the best is, we don't want to get the cops involved or the feds involved. And and the response is, <laughs> you'd be better off calling the Ghostbusters. No, I love when she charges out of the bedroom with wielding her acoustic guitar as if... <laughs> As if that kid's going to do any damage to anyone. <laughs> yep. I'll whack you over the head with this flimsy piece of wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they're desperate. They're desperate. So um, so Jody Whitaker is going to treat the kid who got bit. And she's like, got to go to the hospital. Um, can't you help him? She's like, I, I missed the class on alien bite wounds. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of moving. I don't like the area. Uh, but... It, it's uh you know a monster comes and they use and what moses uses the sword to kill it um and that's when they notice that it's also the you know they look at it and it's the blackest black mm-hmm. is this monster it's so black that like there's no reflection or detail or anything like that and now everybody's on the same page there's aliens they're in the building what are they going to do and um jody whitaker gets her moment to leave and she goes in the hallway and there's monster sounds coming from em- everywhere and she's like i'm going <laughs> wherever you're going i'm going with all of you that's yeah. it forget it maybe not 
um yeah yeah well it's a good moment right this is your opportunity to leave these kids that are so annoying and you're like mm, no not gonna happen let's stay with the, the weapons I think it's the, again, it's it's that balance that they strike between these kids, you know, let's not forget, they mugged her, they stole her purse, yep. they, you know, threatened her with weapons and stuff, and she's not going to let them forget that, but at the same time, uh, you know, the en- enemy of my friend, uh, of my enemy and all that stuff, uh, I'll, I'll do that one again, the enemy of my enemy is my friend and all that, so yeah, the, the lesser evil is uh, to stick with them because they can help. Yeah. Uh, you know, probably she's she's got a better chance with them than without them, even if they, you know, yeah, she clearly hasn't forgotten the fact that they did mug her. I would say <laughs> also that in the context of, of in in the light in her apartment with aliens around them, that seeing them as as these kids and scared and with aliens. Yeah, true. They're not they're not who they were on the street yeah, at this true. point. Oh, uh, uh, Hi-Hats has two guys come for him to pick him up because, of course, his car is smashed and he gets a gun and uh, he turns on his own rap at this point and sings along. It's pretty great. Uh, and there he's he's coming to the to the, the block and he's going to get revenge on those guys. Who cares about these aliens? I got to get revenge on those guys for crashing my car. Uh, meanwhile, Biggs is the kid who is in the uh, the dumpster, basically, uh, trapped uh, with an alien outside and so he's calling and he's call he's calling people and his battery is going down and uh you know he's he's going to be stuck there um mayhem and probs appear and they have a gun uh, like a a toy gun and a super soaker um which uh i guess is full of gasoline is that right is that yeah i, I think I that think was so, the yeah, implication yeah. Yeah. or lighter fluid yeah or yeah yeah it's something something flammable because they actually do uh attack it and and uh but yeah big spends a lot of time in the bin calling people and saying i'm down here help me and they're like (laughs) no no just stay there watching it again uh for this podcast did make me think like i wonder what a movie alert this would be now with iphones because of course this was even though iphones were around uh, you know the prevalence of cheap android copies was not a thing so much in 2009-2010 these aren't smartphones these are just phones right and the idea that you know council kids would have smartphones at that time was just that would have been absurd so yeah they're, they're just regular phones uh and i did wonder like what would it be like if these kids had smartphones now probably quite a different film yeah they'd be trying to instagram themselves with the aliens and... <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true yeah i did a selfie in the weed room or something <laughs> get viral um this is also a good there's a good line in here of um you think police is going to help us uh they'll help to to, to jody whitaker they'll help you not them they'll arrest them for the pr- probably for the murder of the cops and and the line is the feds probably sent them anyway first drugs then guns now monsters we ain't killing each other fast enough which i mm. thought was a a really good little slice of worldview which is the aliens yeah. are just the latest uh thing to be foisted upon the people in the tower block although they do puncture it beautifully when pest the the one white kid in the group go you know takes the token goes believe <laughs> <laughs> everybody just laughs at him like yep. what the yep. <laughs> you are white yeah. <laughs> you'll be fine it's well yeah. so funny there's a, a monster attack in in the room 
and they 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 have gotten a gun, so it's like shoot it, and but it, it is a toy gun. It doesn't actually do anything, so that doesn't work. It attacks. Uh, fortunately, one of the one of the kids has a uh, a helmet, a motorcycle helmet on. Yeah. The, yeah, for all the good, the it po- does. The head pops <laughs> off. It's, not, it's a moment of, of uh, again, kind of hilariously awful uh, gore kind of thing, right? Where it's like, oh no, well we're down, we're down one kid. Um, they attack in the bedroom. The sword is stuck in the wall. He's trying to Moses is trying to pull the sword out of the wall. Uh, and Sam, oh wait, don't skip, yeah. don't skip over the teenage girls beating the alien <laughs> in their bedroom with whatever they with an ice skate. Oh yeah, right, I yeah, skate. It, yeah. I, I skate as weapon in the bedroom part. Yep, that's yeah. right. Oh, um, those girls are so great. I just love. Oh, I love. There's such vivid little characters. They're not in it enough. Uh, they they yeah. get they get left behind yeah. when they probably shouldn't. But I I mean I get it in terms of not having too many characters around. But they're great, and I I don't entirely understand like the the rationale is really like we need to move on. You're not the characters in this movie, and yeah. they they kind of leave them behind. Um, but, but yeah, the ice death by ice gate. And then Jodie Whittaker's character, Sam uses her knife because Moses's uh, sword is stuck in the wall. Um, and then, and then me out in the hall, Hey, hi hats has arrived with his pals. And, uh, and due to really good timing, they end up stuck in the elevator with a monster. Yeah. And it's another good example. There's quite a few like the cops dying in this movie, again, of good low budget filmmaking where they set up the attack and you're like oh no that's going to be really bad and, and the then doors close hear, right and then you just get sound effects you know the same thing happened when they beat the alien up in the uh, adventure playground to start with you you don't see it you just see flashes of light and hear the sounds and stuff but it uh, it you'd unless you're examining it in the way we are you wouldn't necessarily twig that that's what's happening you just you know it just strikes you as a funny way to film it, but actually, it's really canny, low-budget filmmaking. Uh, let's see. Oh, our our friend, the uh, the stoner whose car turns out to be the one who was crushed. By the way, Brewis, uh, mm-hmm. by uh, by the alien. So that's his dad's car. Sorry, his dad's car. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pushes the button to go up in the elevator, and uh, Hi Hats is there. He's the only one alive. He's completely drenched in blood, uh, and he says, uh, "Better get the next one." Brewis is such. He's such a. <sighs> such a real character like there is there are people like him all <laughs> over the place mm-hmm. you know class tourists yes who especially you know you, at the yeah. end when he's been dragged out and he's like my father's a journalist it's like yeah i'll bet he is mate uh-huh. uh <laughs> but desperately trying to be down with the kids and hang with the uh the gangs and stuff and yeah just such an accurately portrayed character and and uh, well written character. I think Joe Cornish said that this is the character that he modeled on himself in his 20s. So <laughs> and it, and it makes sense, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh let's go to Ron's weed room. Ron's re- weed room will surely save us. What's Ron's room weed room? All right, just come along. <laughs> um and this is the you know there's more action here. Oh, look, they've all gone. No, they're climbing up the side of the building. Oh, that's really bad. Uh, they shoot fireworks down the hall to try to ass- attack some of them and then and escape. Uh, Jerome, the kid with the glasses, is isolated in the kind of the smoke of the of the fireworks being shot off. He hits a wall. He loses his knife, and is uh is is killed by by uh by the monsters by the aliens. So we're down another another kid in the crew at this point. I I did think it was kind of interesting that this is a film that is basically killing off kids. 
yes. in fairly <laughs> violent ways. Oh, well, it is horror. Is... You know, it is the rule of horror movies, right? They they mm-hmm. they whittle down the the team as we yeah. go. I guess it's because of their age. Because you know, you, if you think of them, they're probably sort of 11 through 15 mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there are any kids watching this feeling discriminated against <laughs> for that. <laughs> no. For it. I, I, that shot of the aliens going up the side of the building oh, is... So good. Gr- I love it because it's only, a, you know, a moment. It's a sh- very, very short moment, but it illustrates beautifully with nothing but, yeah, two seconds of imagery. Oh, the threat. You know, you immediately gets the point across. And puts the point on what maybe as a viewer you're thinking, which is, is this happening all over? Why Why is it that our main characters in this movie, yeah. like surely this is just like a convenient shortcut that our main characters are being menaced by this. And when you see that shot of all of them there, I think it starts, it has to start dawning on you that there mm-hmm. is a reason why they're coming for them. This is not like Jaws the Revenge where uh, they they take a vacation in the Caribbean and the shark follows them down the East Coast (laughs) to get there, right? Like, it's not a ghost. Um, It's like the second Jaws the Revenge reference we've made in the last month. Uh, It's it's like there's going to be a reason because like they are coming, the monsters are coming for them for some reason, probably because they killed. I mean, we were like, oh, is it revenge? for? How do they know that they killed the female and all that? And then we're about to get our answer. But I like how it ratchets up the tension, but also sort of says, you know, this is about these kids. This is not about, not every building has these monsters on the side of it, right? It's these kids are being attacked. Well, and they've done a great job of reminding you several times that Ron's weed room is right at the top of the block. It's on the top floor several times in the elevator. Yep. If you notice, you know, they make a point of showing that everybody's hitting that top button. It's the safe and uh, secure at the top. And so, yeah, w- when you see the aliens climbing, you realize they're going towards the top. So it's even if you don't maybe consciously think of it, it's been planted in your head enough times, I think, that you, yeah, as you say, you twig like, oh, they're after the dead one for some reason. This is where Hi-Hats is like, aha, I'm going to get you at Ron's room. Aha, I'm going to get you. And then he's... uh in the most kind of grotesque bloody shot in the That's film the he is right. dismembered yeah. by <laughs> by many many monsters that, that that shot where he's where the skin off his uh if you notice there's a wipe of an alien going over his normal face there's a wipe of an alien moving in front of the camera and then you get the you know the the makeup face with his skin missing off his face that is such an Edgar Wright effect that I just looked at it and I'm like that belongs in Shaun of the Dead it truly does <laughs> R.I.P. Hyatt's we're, we're building to the climax now so um Moses is trying to apologize we wouldn't have robbed you if we knew you which is like it's a really interesting dynamic right it's like well that's the point is that we don't we don't rob the people who are our, our friends or people we know. And in fact, I think his point is really, if we knew you lived here with us, then you're mm-hmm. part of our community. Oh, totally. Yeah. And we wouldn't mm-hmm. have robbed you if you, it, but we didn't know that. And, you know, her response is like, well, great. Uh, like, I mean, yeah, great. That doesn't make it any better. <laughs> they have two completely different standards for conduct, though. I mean, this is this is the thing that she, she doesn't quite understand all the way through the movie. Yeah, it's us. It's us against the world, and you yeah. actually are part of us. And, you are an us now, not the world. And yeah. she doesn't see it that way. And it's yeah. not you joining forces with us against the aliens. It's like we didn't realize you lived here, and if you live here, you're part of here. And yeah. and anybody who lives here is not our enemy. Um, there is a, another little nice, a lot of interesting social commentary here. Uh, she says she's got a boyfriend. He's in Africa helping kids, and they say, "Why don't you help the kids who are here?" 
which mm-hmm. I, oh, I, that's yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that quote. It's it's when he nails it out and she has no good answer for it. It's it's another white middle class commentary in addition to the Bruce stuff, right? And, which is yeah, <laughs> Bruce, which is all white middle class yes, commentary. This is, <laughs> this is the other other level there. But Moses's jacket is glowing in the UV light. Ha ha! Science. It's some kind of pheromone. What if it was a female? Yes. Okay. Right. Got it. So there. This is why they're tracking us. Is this? Uh, and then a plan forms, which is. Maybe I could I can lead them somewhere and blow them up. So that's that's where the plan is gonna is gonna um, go into effect. However, before we get there, cut to mayhem and probs. Um, they are <laughs> they are uh, still trying to think about what they can do to to deal with Biggs. Um, uh, there's a line that that is no one's ever gonna call you mayhem if you keep acting like. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> it's a laugh out loud moment again with these little kids. Uh, the cops are there, so Mayhem and Probs end up in the bin, in the bin, in the uh, in the uh, uh, dumpster too. So it's more fun happening in the in the garbage. Um, meanwhile, back in the weed room, they do like ultraviolet analysis to see if you're smelly. So it's like, all right, Sam is clear. She's going to be able to go down, and in a uh, in a harrowing moment, the idea here is they're they they have a sense of smell, but they can't see. So she's going to sneak out of the room because they've cleared her. She's she doesn't have any of this stuff on her. So Moses sends her to apartment one ninety one, which is his apartment, and that's when we get the reveal that uh, he has an uncle who lives there who comes and goes goes mostly. So he's basically living all on his own. Um, and this is our big uh, this is our big moment, which is in in uh, she turns on the gas. Right. And the idea there is that the room's going to fill with gas and then Moses is going to come and he's going to run down the hallway with the monsters chasing him, get them all into the gas filled apartment room and then uh, then blow it up, light a, light a match, blow it up. Uh, light some firecrackers, you know, to draw them there. And then uh, ultimately, like, uh, yeah, he, he ignites. It explodes. Is he sacrificing himself? Well, he's hanging by a flag off the balcony. So he, he you know, he doesn't sacrifice himself. I, I like the pacing leading up to this as well. I mean, again, this is talking about it being a sort of, you know, a tight move with nothing wasted. Uh, but there is that moment where she is walking through the aliens, you know, trying not to sort of catch their attention and stuff. And it's the... You know, it's the uh, cover yourself in dead flesh to walk through the zombies sort of moment, Uh, you know, or Ripley walking through the eggs in the alien queen's lair. It's that the calm before the storm. You can take a minute and it is it's about a minute long, isn't it? Where there's almost no sound, no music. It's just nothing but tension before everything then kicks off and things start blowing up and what have you. And I think you need that quiet moment for the contrast, you know, for the explosions to have the effect that you're looking for so it's again really sort of smart filmmaking to have that moment of let's slow things down a bit let's be quiet and just sort of anticipate the the carnage (laughs) that's gonna follow mostly uh you know from fireworks again hurrah fireworks So Moses is, you know, there's this thought that he's going to be sacrificing himself, but he doesn't really. He's hanging off the balcony and then he climbs back in and it's okay. And that leads us to our last moment, which is the police have finally arrived. Great. Thanks. Um, uh, Moses is in the elevator. They get him. They say, drop your weapon. Why do you always arrest the wrong people? He says, 
Um, and then in that moment, uh, Jodie Whittaker's character is is asked, like, are these the guys who are behind all this mayhem? And they did all of this and they said all these explosions and they're the ones who robbed you and they killed those cops and all of that. And she says, no, I know them. They're my neighbors. They protected me. And the crowd chants Moses's name as he's as he's put in the police yeah, he's still in arrested. The van. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was watching this and I was thinking if this was an American version of the film, we would end up with more of a Night of the Living Dead style ending where they shoot him. Um, but in this, mm-hmm. yeah, he's just arrested and taken away. I couldn't stop thinking about the ending of Night of the Living Dead with this movie and i'm so glad you brought that up too and i wonder how much of that was deliberate where the reference is like right there (laughs) yeah i mean i i I think it has to be Um, given how well not well read that's not the word i'm looking for but you know what i mean how well watched if you like uh in classic (laughs) movies uh somebody like joe cornish is I, i i can't imagine that it's not a deliberate callback yeah i also like the fact that the movie doesn't end with the authorities saying, oh, okay, the lady says that he's fine, release him, right? The movie ends with him locked up and her backing him up, but the system is still going to process him. And and the yeah. movie the movie is like, is there going to be justice? Are these kids going to be treated fairly? Like the movie's just laying it out. They're like, you could read this as all of this mayhem was called by, caused by these kids. Now, it's not like the monster's disappear into dust or something right so presumably not but like the movie is not interested in absolving society from everything here at the end of the movie right the movie is willing to let jody whittaker stand up for moses and it's willing for the people in the block to chant moses's name but the movie is not willing to let moses out of the police car yeah that's no guarantee that he's actually gonna that the authorities will recognize that he was a hero in the end Right. I, I think it's very interesting, given that they've announced recently that they're doing a sequel, um, where it goes. Because, you know, presumably it's going to be set 10 years later and we're going to have like, what has happened to Moses? Because uh, John Beager's uh, uh, in it. Yeah. He's already uh, um, uh, yeah, been announced. Uh, and it, it's like, you know, where is the world like 10 mm-hmm. years after this point? I really hope that they take the opportunity to do something interesting. Like when it was announced, I I did kind of worry a bit that it might have been announced just because Joe Cornish's last film, the uh, the kid who'd be king, you know, didn't do very well. Um, and obviously there was a whole business with him and Edgar Wright being kicked off of Ant Man and stuff. And I did kind of think like, oh, I hope he's not just going back to the well because it's you know, frankly, one of the most successful things that he's done. Uh, and obviously John Boyega being such a huge star now. So I, I really, I have faith and trust that they will do something interesting with it. But yeah, I, I, I'm cautious. I mean, is it is it going to be like an alien to aliens type affair? I hope so. God, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, like if you gave them a huge budget, is it going to sort of uh, diminish it in some way? Or is it going to be, I mean, I can't imagine where you go like we already had dozens of other things neither can i but that's you know like i say that's why i'm willing to trust somebody like cornish who is you know a a very smart man maybe Um, uh moses has to go to space go to the home (laughs) planet of the aliens because i would watch if he's still the block what's he doing is that's what what i want the, the answer to yeah 
right? Yeah. Or is he not in the block? And what what role does he have? And I I can't imagine that John Boyega would have agreed to do it if he hadn't had a conversation with Joe Cornish about what the movie was really about. And it's that's the other thing is like the, Attack the Block has things to say. It it is a fun movie, but it has very specific things to say that, as I believe Lisa said, ten years on. Uh, I feel like even even more strongly, at least as an American, 10 years on, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, boy, uh, there's a lot here. And so I yeah. can't imagine that visiting this world and the, this character a decade later wouldn't have all of that, you know, thought embedded in it. And I can't imagine John Boyega would say yes if he and Joe Cornish hadn't talked about it and been on the same page about what the movie was going to be about to do a sequel to this. Yeah. I certainly hope so, as I say. I, was, I mean, either way, you know, of course I'm going to be there <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> In the end, like, you know, we, we thought for the 10th anniversary it would be worth talking about this film. And I I think it is, it's got a cult following, but like I didn't, I knew about it, but until I think it was when Jodie Whittaker was cast in Doctor Who that I was like, oh, I really should watch that movie. It's already got John Boyega in it and it's got Jodie Whittaker and I probably should see it. And I saw it and I thought, this is a good movie. Like again, one of these movies that you may, you know, it it didn't do that well. It, It is sort of a cult movie, but I find it very funny that people talk about Shaun of the Dead, which is a great movie, a lot. And the Cornetto trilogy a lot, and Attack the Block I feel like kind of doesn't get that conversation. And I think it's although it's not as funny, I think it's just as good and is very much a tonal match for them. And I hope more people will watch this movie. Maybe that this podcast will prompt it, but uh, because I, I liked it more uh, this month than I did however many years ago, five years ago when I watched it. And I think it's got a lot to say while also being funny and entertaining. And again, yes, also has the gore at the tune to exactly the right level for me to find it hilarious instead of repulsive, which I, you know, I, I vacillate in my, I'm not a big horror movie fan, um, but whatever this movie is doing and just whatever Shaun of the Dead was doing hits me exactly right so mm-hmm. i really liked attack the block everybody else final thoughts um one person we haven't mentioned at all is uh franz drama uh who plays dennis who's people know from like legends of tomorrow and he's on sea and things like that and he he uh uh he tried out for the part of moses as well um and i think he's excellent in this i mean i think all the actors i think a lot of them were just basically kids straight out of drama school. Yeah. Um, but Including John Boyega. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've got the um, the auditions and stuff on the, on the DVD, and it is fun to see very young, even younger versions of all these kids. I've, I think I said this in Slack, and I think it's worth repeating here, that if you didn't have John Boyega in the movie, Franz drama would have been the one you couldn't take your eyes off of in every scene because he's really, really good. And I wouldn't say it's a problem, but John Boyega is the minute he hits the screen, there's this movie star charisma. Cause I remember watching this right after reading the casting news and being like, Oh, well, let's see what this John Boyega person's been in. And I watched attack the block and it was one of those moments where you can just see an actor pop off the screen and you're like, that's a movie star. Um, <laughs> and uh, poor friend's drama. If uh, he had not been in that movie with John Boyega, I think that would have been his, that's a movie star moment too. Cause he's good, but John Boyega is good to the point where you can't take your eyes off him. Good. Yeah. 
And uh, it's just such a pleasure to watch them both at the beginning of their careers doing it so well. I, I think it's fair to say that this film launched the acting career of, you know, at least three people. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's it's absolutely that they've got presence. You know, John Boyega especially has got that screen presence, as Lisa says. And but I think what you were saying, Jason, about sort of why isn't this as revered as like maybe the Edgar Wright stuff? I think partly because it's a debut, whereas you know people going into stuff like Shaun of the Dead and the Kunasi trilogy films knew right from Spaced. I mean, I know not everybody did, but at least he had that reputation. And also just because it's not as funny. You know, going yeah. back to James's comedy dial, it's not a comedy in the same way that movies like Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz are. And I love them all equally, but I that's my theory as to why this isn't quite as beloved, because it, it doesn't. This is go... a monster movie with humor. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Cornetto movies are uh, comedy movies, movies with, in a genre. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. They're comedy first, whereas this is, this isn't. Comedy is a part of the the film but it is yeah I, I love this film i've seen it m- quite a few times now uh because it's just so i mean it, it's entertaining obviously it's very entertaining but also just watching it as a storyteller it's so like a, again so tight nothing is wasted it's so elegantly told everything is set up uh it you know it's like a, a fine watch or something it's a beautiful piece of clockwork but also has some some great performances because you've got this amazing cast in this incredibly low-budget indie film by a debut filmmaker. I mean, my goodness. Uh, Yeah, I I love it. So good. And it's also, uh, you know, great to have a movie that's 88 minutes long, you know? Indeed, indeed. Rather than, like, three hours, two and a half, three hours. It's such a great length because it's... There's not a wasted minute and you can watch it and you don't have to commit three hours of your life to it. I love it. In fact... It would even qualify for Netflix's new 90 minutes and under category, huh. which they just recently introduced, didn't yep. they? <laughs> I love it. Like, yeah, yeah. So many reasons. So if you've reached the end of this and you've listened to us talk about it and you haven't seen this movie, go see it. It's it's a lot of fun. Also, the fact that we've spoiled it horribly doesn't no. spoil the movie. It's a I don't ride. Think. And I mean, it is a ride because it's literally, you know, they move from place A to B to mm-hmm. C to D. And it, it it's sort of like a... There's very little backtracking. Uh, level one to level two and so on. It just hangs together beautifully too. Like it, there's no, there, there are a few wasted details and everything that comes on screen is so much fun and so carefully thought out. Um, it's just a pleasure. And also if you watch it twice, as I did, you, you see all these little bits like um, uh, Bruce is watching a nature documentary about pheromones and stuff yeah. very early on before anything oh, happens. And, so and the blood you know, on the jacket when they first go in the weed room. And yeah, stuff. so yeah. The, the, yeah. the little, you know, the details are there if you go back. Mm-hmm. Ron's weed room. What's Ron's weed room? It's a big room full of weed and it's Ron's. <laughs> yes. And that's, that's the airplane gag really, isn't it? Yep. Yes. <laughs> yep, you're better off calling the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, so good. All right, well... That's the end of this episode of The Incomparable. Let me thank my panel for joining me on this uh, as we took the elevator up, the one without the blood in it. We took the other one uh, for Attack the Block. Lisa Schmeiser, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. James Thompson, thank you. Uh, Who would shave a monkey? (laughs) Anthony Johnston, thank you. Thank you, Jason. I'll wait for the next one. (laughs) And thanks everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable I'm taking next week off and going on vacation, so we will see you in a couple weeks. Goodbye. Goodbye.